I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, we'll tee up the return of the biggest show on television. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I finally got around to watching Captain Marvel, so I'll have a belated review of that. Excited to hear what you have to say about that as we head into Avengers. And I went to check out my favorite movie of all time in theaters last week. I'll tell you if 20 years later, it still holds up. But first... It is here, it is finally here, the eighth and final season of Game of Thrones is here! Season 7, which was only seven episodes, aired its final episode on August 27th, 2017. That season debuted July 16th and had been away for a year prior to that, with season 6 ending on June 26th, 2016. That's a lot of dates and numbers to remember. Basically just to say, we've had a lot of waiting in the last three years to wrap up Game of Thrones. But this final six-episode season is finally upon us this Sunday, April 14th on HBO. Game of Thrones first debuted, by the way, in April of 2011. It's based on the book series A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin, which debuted in 1996. The fifth book in the fantasy series was released in 2011. With two more books to go, the sixth book still has not been finished. So the TV show, based on a series of books, passed the books at the end of season five. And now here we are heading into the home stretch of this epic saga. Think back to where we started. Now it's just us. We need to end this war. To say this is the biggest TV show out there is an understatement, both in terms of its global popularity and the sheer size of the show. It truly is epic in its scope. With a reported cost of $15 million per episode for the final season, in terms of viewers, HBO says season 7, after streaming and people playing catch-up, was over 30 million viewers per week. Season 8's initial numbers won't be nearly as high, but predictions are putting those first numbers at around 13 million people. The top show in network TV, by the way, for the week of March 25th, was 60 minutes with 12.5 million. As for the brevity of the season, yeah, it's only six episodes, but four of the six episodes are going to be over an hour long. And the early reviews for the first episode have been solid so far, saying there are some really big, cool moments with actual stuff happening, not just table setting. So I can't wait. Our enemy doesn't tire. Doesn't stop. They're coming. So I remember... When you first talked about this on yep. the Couch Potatoes back in 2010 or 2011, I'd never even heard of Game of Thrones. Did you? Uh, a buddy of mine had read the books and lent me the books, and I read the first couple of books. I was very into it, but so I was excited when the show started because I had already read at that time the first book. Okay. Now, when the the show started, like I, I just kind of wasn't interested, and even despite the hype, and when you talked about it, I thought, well, that sounds like it could be fun, but I probably won't get around to it. But... 
I decided to watch that first episode because there was so much hype. And then I watched it, and I still found myself thinking, well, that was good, but not great. First episodes rarely are. Yeah, like the ending kind of hooked me in, so I I went back to it and kept going, and God, I'm glad I did. (laughs) It uh, took a second viewing, though, through season six to fully understand since... uh, Because, like, I remember throughout each season thinking, God, who is that person? What what do they do? And what's their importance? Oh, yeah. So I had to, once season six wrapped up, I went back and watched the whole thing again. My intention was to watch, I think, one episode per day over the course of that summer, but I, I ended up just binging over the course of like <laughs> 10 days. But now it's been a year and a half without watching, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe I should have wa- gone through it again, because... I know I'm going to forget characters and forget their importance and all that stuff. I feel like you can watch Season 7 before the Season 8 premiere Sunday Night, Brett. I meant the whole thing. Season 7 will be no problem. (laughs) I can do that in my sleep. I honestly, I think I'm going to not rewatch Season 7, but I'm going to like have myself a a Wikipedia hour on the couch going through the episodes of Season 7 just to refresh my memory because, uh, like I said, I read the first two books. I was very into them, and then I sort of fell behind. I even took a whole year off from the show because I wanted to read the third book before I watched the third season, and I just never got around to reading the book. And then all of a sudden it was like a week before season four started. Season four may have actually already started, and I was like, I've got to bit back on this, and I quickly binged through season three and got caught up again. Uh, I, I, unlike you, I'm not a super fan. I do enjoy it. I look forward to it. I don't really care how this ends, though, because they, they could all die, and it'd be fine with me. I mean, this show, for me, has been about the journey. Everyone's had so many crazy adventures. Most of them have crisscrossed Westeros a bunch of times. They've paired up with different characters. Many have been both good guys and bad guys at one point. It's very much a soap opera like that and no one no one ever likes cares how a soap opera is going to end you just enjoy watching it while it's on and like trying to keep track of all this has been a nightmare for me so i'm going to have to sort of catch back and find out who's who and who's where and what's going on and what we're expecting anytime anyone asks me a question or someone poses a question and i know the answer it's like oh that's brienne of tarth i was like wait how do i still know that it's like Because I can't believe that in what? In almost three years, there's only been those seven episodes from 2017? Yeah. That's insane. I didn't think it was that long a wait in between. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm i just very excited for the return of Game of Thrones. And you said that you don't really care how it ends. And I actually, I don't know who I'm rooting for either. The Or what you're rooting for. Yeah. And it, you know it's not going to be good no matter what happens. Yeah. I think there can't be... I imagine a happy ending on this. And the whole point, I think, of Game of Thrones, or not the point, but one of the things that Game of Thrones did, or then these books and this TV show did, is they kind of went against the norm of what you would expect oh, yeah. out of a fantasy series. And then... They killed the main guy off in the first season. Yeah. And then once season six came along, people were complaining that they were just doing fan service and that they were not telling the same kind of story that George R.R. R. Martin had already inspired. But he's been with them along the way. Yeah. He's a consultant or a producer and all this stuff. I think he's even written an episode or two. And I did read something this that since they departed from where, like, since, because it was end of season five was the last yeah. book, since then, since it's been all made up by the TV people, that they haven't killed off a major character. Oh, really? So I, I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But I can't imagine 
there's no way everyone's getting out alive at the end of this. And I wonder, too, how it will affect the books. Like, will George R. R. Martin go out of his he way? He will never finish those books. Yeah, you think he he's looks just so, giving up on them? Every time I see that guy, I think, oh, he could go any minute. He does not look healthy at all. So, <laughs> And he's getting older, and, I, and he's so slow at this. It's just like, nah, there's no way he finishes both those books. Well, and not only that, but he took some time to write this, like, textbook, <laughs> yeah, sort of. because he doesn't care either, right? I think yeah. he, he likes stringing people along. That's his thing. Well, maybe that'll be his his great legacy, right? The the unfinished oh. saga of a of a song of ice and fire. Does, does he have some horrible children that'll try to finish it for him or something? Oh like my that? god, like the Tolkien <laughs> kids. And well, and here that's that's that actually leads to another question because once Game of Thrones ends, there will be more Game of Thrones shows in HBO's future, hard to imagine that they will be as big, but now along comes Amazon with its Lord of the Rings yeah. inspired story. It's returned to Middle Earth, and you got to imagine that show is going to have a huge following given how much money, what are they talking about, $250 million? To buy the rights, and they've sunk another $250 million into like pre-production stuff, so they're already half a billion dollars into it for this show, so it's it's going to be it's too expensive already for them not to make everyone aware of it when it comes out so we'll see curious to see though how they play that because one of the things i think people one of the reasons why game of thrones has become so popular is that soap opera element and in fact the fantasy elements of game of thrones have turned a lot of people off like one of my buddies said he enjoyed it to a point, but then once it started getting overwhelmed with dragons and ice zombies and the that, lady giving birth to a smoke monster yeah that yeah. it was that wasn't that lost no, oh, the smoke no. monster was lost, but she actually, <laughs> what's her name, did that's it. That's right, that's yeah. right. So once the fantasy elements started to almost supersede the soapy sort of power struggle, he kind of fell off. So I'm curious to know how many people this series has lost along the way. I don't think HBO much cares, nope. because this is the rare show that has managed to grow its audience every season. The Walking Dead, for a time, was like that up until season five, and then it since has way dropped off the map. That's why it's good that this thing is ending now because you gotta you just gotta walk away after a while. There's because you can't. No one can sustain it for that long. Just look at all the soap soap operas. Well, and it was getting sort of exhausting too. Like this slow march towards this inevitable war. I mean, we saw. I think we first saw the army of the dead in the second season. Yeah. Like how far are these guys yeah, yeah, walking yeah, yeah. from? And and there was all sorts with. Uh, see, I can never remember anyone's name. The lady that owns the dragons. So like how Daenerys? much how much stalling did she do out in like no man's land on that other side of the ocean there right yeah took like, forever to yeah. get her across the sea and she had gathered her army in the first two seasons as well basically yeah so that was that stuff was like getting kind of tedious i was thinking okay when are we going to get on with this i understand <laughs> to the fireworks factory and I, yeah <laughs> i understand what they were the reasoning for it and all of that but it was nice to see them sort of finally get this thing moving so i haven't really had a complaint with the pace at which season seven went because season seven blistered along they just cut all of that exposition stuff yep. that normally would have taken weeks to go by season seven did have its dumb parts like when they they went behind the wall and went off in their little adventure and uh that that led to the the situation with the dragon that's what the whole the whole thing was oh, just okay. to set that up but i thought this is asinine this is so it's a suicide mission it's so dumb it was entertaining but it was dumb and 
hard to argue that there was any point, at least in the George R. R. Martin phase of this TV series, where things were stupid. You might not have liked it, but none of it was all very smart. So six episodes are all longer episodes. Hopefully, if there's a bunch of filler like that in there, that's really going to bother people. You think? I think so. People think? are going to expect just big result like a giant war in every episode pretty much yeah at this point with all of the major characters well and that's the one area where they might be able to get away with it because at the end of last season we had all of the major characters in one setting so now if you have more scenes where there are different characters who have never really gotten a chance to interact that could be cool so i'd be fine with extended scenes like that but if it's just dragging it out and sort of just for the sake of it yeah like at this point we're we're in the final Final run of episodes. Let's get on with that. I want to see the war. Yep. I want to see if Jon Snow ends up being the ruler, if it ends up being Daenerys, or maybe it ends up being Sam. Maybe Sam, because he's got one of the the fancy swords, whatever, that, that Valyrian steel. Oh, really? Yeah. Is, where is he right now? Is he still in a library somewhere? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Yeah. And I'm calling, a, a, is it Gendry or Gendry? That's a wild card. It's Gendry. Because he's got Baratheon blood in him. That's he, right. He might, he might be the actual proper heir to that throne. But but Baratheon was the usurper. That's true. I think. I can't remember. <laughs> it's been too long. A year and a half. I thought I could do it without going back. And now I clearly need a refresher. So And then it's the end of an era because after this, there's no other show out there that everyone talks about together in any sort of way. Like we're at the point where you could have five friends that list their 10 favorite shows and there's no repetition. Yeah. And after Game of Thrones, that's it. And also don't forget uh, Veep and a perennial awards winner. Not everyone watches it, but it's pretty popular. That ends this year. Big Bang Theory, which a lot of people watch, that's yep. ending this year too. So oh boy, this time next year, it's, it's a toss up as to what any of the popular shows are. TV is becoming more and more splintered, but there's still Game of Thrones, and it's back this Sunday, April 14th. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video. Is everything awesome with this sequel? Find out. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Time now to talk about what's coming to home video. Only two selections this week, one on digital HD and one on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand. Where do you want to start? On Tuesday, digital HD, it's The Lego Movie 2. This year, this house is about to get towed up. The world's greatest heroes. Oh, man. Will assemble. You almost forgot me, guys. I'm literally a lantern. How did you miss me? <laughs> I got a That beat is pretty fresh. Turns out, glitter's my color. You gotta be kidding me. Don't be a grumpled dumpus. Bruce? Willis, yeah. I spent a lot of time in air ducts. I I definitely don't live up here. Just scooch on pie. Bruce Willis cameo, that actually makes me want to watch this. Really? I don't know. He's, he's, it's, it's like diehard Bruce Willis crawling through the air duct. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. Okay. Did you see the Lego Movie 2? No. I didn't see the Lego Movie 1 either. I did see the Batman Lego Movie, and yeah. I did enjoy that, but I've not gotten around to the regular Legos. Yeah, I haven't gotten around to either of the Legos. I haven't seen any of the Lego movies. Not the Batman, not Ninjago, not the Lego Movie Original Recipe. And that first Lego Movie, that was the, the huge surprise. It, that was it, a force, yeah. Yeah, it made $469 million worth worldwide back in 2014 the sequel not nearly as successful it made 184 million worldwide and by all accounts the movie is still really good like the first one had uh 
95% on Rotten Tomatoes. The second one, only 86. Only. That's still yeah. a very good rating. Especially for a sequel. But maybe people are just getting tired of the Lego thing. I think that first one, the reason why it did so well is it was just such a gimmick. It was such a unique yeah. animation style. It was refreshing. But now here we are four years later and we've had four Lego movies. So there's nothing nothing special about it. There's also TV version, like slightly cheaper looking, but still Lego brand TV movies on yeah. Netflix and stuff like that. So I think for a lot of people, especially if you're, you know, it's expensive to take kids to the movie. And if you've got a Netflix option that can trick them just the same, people probably go for that. Now, speaking of Bruce Willis on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand, the, that's the, the only one selection there is Glass. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan-y. And and the what? It's the well the third one in the series after Unbreakable and Split. Yes. And they got progressively worse as they go. Is that what, how it goes? No, I liked Split. I really liked Split. Yeah. And uh, I liked Unbreakable as well as we've you know we've talked about this before. I liked Unbreakable, but it was just too long and too slow. I thought Split was awesome. And then when they made the Unbreakable tie-in, I thought that's great. But Glass was a mess, hmm. and I left quite disappointed in it. I enjoyed parts of it. But for the most part, Bruce Willis was like basically a non-factor. I'm uh, scared to go to that guy's IMDb page to see how far back we got to go to find a really good movie. And it also makes me wonder what happens next for M. Night Shyamalan. Because he was, he was so hot so early, and then he had, and his name's going to come up a little later in the show, but now he's been sort of tailing off again. Who knows? Up next, I'll tell you, if it still holds up, 20 years later, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and as we mentioned recently, the end of March marked the 20th anniversary of my favorite movie of all time. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad it is this feeling that has brought you to me do you know what I'm talking about the matrix do you want to know what it is Yes, 20 years later, I still want to know what it is. I love The Matrix. And to mark the 20th anniversary, Cineplex featured it in the flashback film series and ran the movie in theaters. I went to see it last week on a Friday night, the weekend that both Shazam and Pet Cemetery were opening, and there were eight people in The Matrix screening. Eight! Nice! Isn't me. that annoying? Well, yeah, like <laughs> there was me, the three people I was with, a trio two down, two rows down from us, and a solo woman sitting in the back row. This kind of makes me sad. So few people were there to see my favorite movie, but because there was no one there, I moved one seat over from my buddy, so I had no one to my left or right. So I was super comfy. He was annoyed and took offense. <laughs> I just told him to stop whining about it. As for the movie, uh, I would be curious to know what say a 20 year old thinks of this movie yeah. because I think it still stands up but some of the computer technology at least from the present day as shown in the movie doesn't hold up they're still using computer monitors like the big tube monitors uh, but outside of that I think the action is still amazing some of the visual effects obviously are dated now like they basically invented bullet time right but that was at the dawn of bullet time and there are a couple of scenes that look janky 
but I had so much fun. I just find this movie hypnotic, and it's to me, it's almost like one of the most perfect action movies, action slash sci-fi. Really, I don't know that you can classify this as anything. It's it's got Hong Kong action. It's got elements of noir. It's sci-fi. Got a lot of gunplay. Tons of gunplay. That thing with uh, him and her in the, what is it, like the lobby of a bank or whatever it is, and where all, all the pillars just get shot and stuff, That that's my favorite part. Yeah, so I dug this movie, and Agent Smith remains to this day one of my favorite movie villains. Hugo Weaving is just sensational. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I've somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive. Now, since I saw The Matrix again, which, by the way, if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. I would give that, if I was giving it a, a fresh review today, it would get the sectional Boom. five couch cushions out of five. And it is on Netflix. There you go. Uh, I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I watched it again in like a few weeks back. I forgot it was coming in theaters. Oh, good man. Now, hey, being that the couch potatoes are completists, I couldn't just watch one. I had to go home and watch the sequels, both from the year 2003, starting with The Matrix Reloaded. How are you, fellas? It's him. Do we proceed? Yes. You still only human. Now, this was an interesting experience for me because it's been a few years now since I've watched any of these movies. But even though it's been, I bet you, five years since I've watched The Matrix Reloaded, I knew exactly where to fast forward. Oh, really? Because it's to the point now where when I watch the sequels that I just jump through all the boring garbage. When he sits down with the architect? No, I oh, love that scene. Really? And I'll get to that in a moment. But, like, the the rave scene in the, oh, the yeah, temple... Yeah, yeah. And just there are a lot of there are a lot of there's a lot of dumb dialogue in this movie, but the action, I was just gripped to the edge of my seat when they did the freeway chase. It's so good with oh. the, the Morpheus fighting the agent on top of that truck, and uh, Trinity doing her motorcycle thing as she's going through oncoming traffic. Yeah, I loved the action in this. I forgot how much I dug the action. That's 16 years old, and I'm still blown away by. I remember reading an article about the making of it, and they built. That freeway. Yeah. They made a, they made a, like a two mile freeway so they could shoot the movie. Yeah. They, the one thing that doesn't work in that scene is where they added all the CG backgrounds. And wow. even in 2003, I could tell, well, that's an effect, but it's a pretty cool effect. But yeah, I loved the action in this, but I skipped through all that stuff. But as far as the architect goes. You are the eventuality of an anomaly, which despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. Okay, well, first of all, I could listen to that guy talk all day long. He does have a good voice. That, that's the key to not putting people to sleep is having a, an interesting voice. The problem with that scene is it makes perfect sense when you break it down and analyze it, but it almost requires you to break it down and analyze it. So that's the difficulty of it. I did break it down and analyze it, and once I, I did that, I understood exactly what he's talking about. He was explaining why 
the one exists and the one is essentially a glitch in the matrix so it makes sense but he couldn't just say you're a glitch because we because we had to make the matrix this way yeah. you end up popping up from time to time but i love it and just enjoyed it once again the matrix revolutions i found i enjoyed even more everything that has a beginning has an end yeah, the action in this is also just edge-of-your-seat stuff. Again, The Matrix Revolutions has a lot of sort of nonsense that can be skipped through, but I know that. Yeah. So now I just know when to fast-forward at the good parts, and I really like the good parts. So The Matrix, I think, is like a perfect movie. The sequel's not perfect, but they still have some really awesome stuff in them, and uh, I kind of feel like watching them again. Oh, do it. I just might do that. <laughs> Program Smith has grown beyond your control. You cannot stop him, but I can. And if you fail, I won't. So, that's The Matrix. I'm happy to have revisited the trilogy, but The Matrix, the first one, came out in 1999. 20 years ago, and it is not the only big anniversary this year. There's going to be a few, and let's talk about a couple of those now. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? And this is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Wow! Oh. Oh. hit me in the ear! 1999 is often regarded as one of, if not the best years of modern movies. There are a sort of a staggering number of movies that were either very popular or changed the game like The Matrix did or just had some sort of long-lasting impact on the culture. I'm just going to run a, uh, these are the top 20 that I found in no particular order. Uh, the Matrix, obviously. Office Space, people still talk about that. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels introduced oh. us to Jason Statham yeah. and uh, the Guy Ritchie. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, that was probably the biggest deal that whole year. Notting Hill was a big rom-com. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. American Pie set off a whole uh, sort of subculture of comedies. The Blair Witch Project, that was a game-changing movie. The found footage genre. Eyes Wide Shut was a thing, whether you like it or not. So is The Iron Giant, is very fondly remembered as one of the best animated movies of the 90s. The Sixth Sense, there's Shyamalama Ding Dong, was introduced to us, got uh, nominated for Best Picture, lost to American Beauty. Three Kings came out. You ever seen Three Kings with yep. Clooney? I yep. love that movie. Fight Club, which we talked about there, The Insider, a Michael Mann movie with Al Pacino, very good. Also, uh, uh, Best Picture nominee. Toy Story 2, Cider House Rules, personal favorite. The Green Mile, Magnolia, The Talented Mr. Ripley. There's, And then the list goes on and on. I wrote like 20 more movies down that we would all know of. And I didn't include movies from guys like Clint Eastwood, Spike Lee, Tim Burton, Norman Jewison, or Martin Scorsese. And then uh, other notable movies here. I'm just looking at this list that you yeah. put together. And yeah, every, every single one of these movies uh, was either a hit or at the very least, sort of had a lasting impression, like uh, Cruel Intentions is on this list. They just re-released that in theaters yeah. for its 20th anniversary. All these have 20-year anniversaries this year, and uh, also, like, the South Park movie, remember? That was a thing. Deep Blue Sea, people still watch that oh, yeah. all the time. And there's, yeah, it goes on and on and on. Oh, The Mummy! That's go. one of the dumbest <laughs> movies, but I still love that movie. I don't know what it is. It's just a fun adventure movie. Uh, 
at the time, I was sad that it wasn't as scary as it could have been. But over time, I've come to enjoy it as a great adventure movie. And I even like The Mummy Returns, as dumb as that is. The third one, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, whatever it's called. Is that the one that was The Rock? Was The Rock in that one? The Rock was in The the Mummy Returns. And then he had his own Scorpion King. That's right. Right. All right. So, yeah, there's a bunch of different ones. We may revisit a couple of these because, again, they're all going to have their 20th anniversary sometime this year. And uh, things like, well, I'm sure whenever Fight Club comes up, we'll talk about that. And as well, I'm just realizing that, ooh, Entrapment. All I'll say about Entrapment is, do you remember the trailer for Entrapment? I remember the trailer for Entrapment. Do you remember uh, the love scene in The Thomas Crown Affair? I have not seen The Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bowfinger came out that year as well. (laughs) That's uh, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. That's a really good one. I just love to watch that again. Up next, Jeff Braun offers some belated thoughts for Captain Marvel. Just a couple of weeks ahead of Avengers Endgame. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I finally got around to watching Captain Marvel this week. Got to show these boys how we do it. You ready? Higher, further, faster, baby. Yes, baby. Higher. Further. I thought it was marvelous. I'm the first one to make that joke, I think. Seriously, though, I thought it was great. Uh, Maybe a little slow or boring to start, but by the end, I was very into it. I like Brie Larson a lot, period. Uh, Not sure what it is, but she's a unique screen presence, which is always a nice quality for an actor to have. Something about her you just can't pin your finger on, which is good. She's very natural uh, as a stoic figure and a wisecracker, I thought, which is good ingredients for a superhero. Uh, It's an origin story, of course, set in the 90s, where she's already a superhero living on another planet and sort of... Of discovers her past on Earth and how she came to be a superhero. I saw it five days ago. I've already forgot a lot of the plot details. <laughs> but I remember more. the vibe, which I dug a lot. I, I love the 90s of it all. Uh, of course, having been in my teens and early 20s in the 90s. Jude Law's in it. I don't know what it is about that guy, but I'm always surprised when he pops up in a movie. I know he had that Young Pope show recently, but does he not headline movies anymore? He's always a secondary character that just shows up in a movie about a, some other movie about a ticket to that I didn't know he was in. You know, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, of course, is in it, a bad guy. Uh, he's really good in a surprising way. I don't want to get into spoilers there. We've talked about him quite a bit. But of course, the main co-star is Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. He is digitally Benjamin Buttoned, and this has to be the best use of de-aging technology so far. I thought it looked very legit to me. It definitely helps that he was an actor in the 90s, so there's probably you know lots of actual footage they could use to see what he looked like and the process there. And the special effects, I think, they're just better at this now than they used to be. So I'm a little more optimistic about the upcoming Martin Scorsese movie where he ages down De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci. A lot of laughs in the movie, especially involving Nick Fury and the cat. A good chasing and was well about midway through. The action at the end was maybe a little lackluster, but I mean, when you have these insane Avenger movies with so much big action, it's hard to get excited about the smaller action of some of these other Marvel movies. To that end, after the movie, I was extra excited for Avengers Endgame, and then I watched Infinity War again this week, and I'm very ready for Endgame, but for Captain Marvel, I give it three and a half Coach Cushions, eight of five. All right. Well, good for you for going to see it before Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you gotta go, you gotta see them all. Absolutely. And I've usually... I go within the first couple of weeks. This one I was got a little bit behind on. Speaking of getting behind on a movie from the You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet file, I finally got around to watching another classic, 
Pretty Woman. Hi. Hello. Do you remember me? No, I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me? Oh. You work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go shopping now. Had never seen it before. I wasn't really a Julia Roberts fan. Um, it's the 90, 1990 rom-com, one of the all-timers, starring Roberts as a sex trade worker and Richard Gere as a businessman who's just looking for some company, and then they fall in love. You ever seen it? In, like, 1991. Yeah. <laughs> Same as everyone else. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. It's impossible not to be charmed by Roberts. Uh, she's got among the best screen presences in the history of cinema. Gear is kind of vanilla, but not offensively so. But, honestly, he could have been played by anybody. Hector Elizondo is the hotel manager, and he is magnificent. Honestly, they should have made a spin-off movie or TV series just about him running that hotel. Because that would have been the best thing ever. I sort of knew the basic story already, which is the trouble with not seeing a popular movie for 30 years, but I didn't realize that it would be as sort of raunchy and R-rated as it is. F-bombs and nudity were not things I was expecting, because when I think of Julie Roberts, I think of her as America's Sweetheart. Of course, Pretty Woman came out before she got that title, and I guess it's the movie that catapulted her to superstardom. So, four couch cushions out of five for Pretty Woman. And again, since Christmas, I've seen for the first time Pretty Woman, My Best Friend's Wedding, Notting Hill, and Runaway Bride. And I think Notting Hill's best and Pretty Woman, then my best friend's wedding, and Runaway Bride's not very good. That's a lot of Julia Roberts. Well, like I said, I had an aversion to her before, so I would refuse to watch Julia Roberts movies. Now I'm all now I like her, so I can watch her. Well, it's interesting too how that happens because you used to have an aversion to the Fast and the Furious movies. Yep, Vin but, Diesel aversion. But now, now you're all in on the Vin Diesel. Uh, have you have you gone and watched movies like The Chronicles of Riddick? No, I'm. Uh, doesn't he, is it, oh, is it Pitch Black? That's Pitch Black has the monsters. That's Riddick a scary is, one. is Riddick is more or the the Chronicles of Riddick is more. Of a sci-fi, yeah. I and did then watch Riddick the, is scary again. I watched the first and the third triple X's. That's right, <laughs> and then you like The Rock too. Yeah. Did you not like The Rock before? Or were you indifferent to him? I think I was indifferent to him. I just I wasn't about to watch the Mummy movies or whatever, so I didn't see him and stuff like that. And Keanu Reeves, you're all in on the Keanu now. And Kevin Costner, I used to really not like Kevin Costner. Now I had a good laugh too, and I I hadn't actually watched the final trailer for John Wick uh, Parabellum yet, and it played before The Matrix, and there's that scene. In the trailer where they say, what do you need? And he says, guns. Lots of guns. <laughs> yeah. Which is clearly an homage to the Matrix. Yeah. Because it's a line right in the Matrix. So. Plus the dog bites that guy in the crotch. I can't wait to see that part. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, make sure you do because you'll get it before it airs on this radio station. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. She's walking back.